Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. Uh, I want to start tonight's newsletter off on uh, something of a somber note. Uh, one of my old professors, Cornel Fleischer, uh, who was the Kanuni Suleiman Professor of Ottoman and Modern Turkish Studies at the University of Chicago, passed away unexpectedly today. Uh, he was one of my uh, mentors in grad school, uh, anything that you've ever read at foreign exchanges or heard me say in some other forum or write somewhere, I, who, who knows where, about the Ottomans uh, was because of Professor Fleischer. Uh, uh, he was uh, a, a wonderful teacher uh, and a phenomenal scholar, and on a personal level, he was uh, just unfailingly kind to me and, and generous with his time. And uh, the academic community, the University of Chicago, uh, are uh, all the poorer for his passing. Uh, hope he rests in peace. And, and I just wanted to uh, mention that. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's let's move on to the, the news. Uh, there's a few anniversaries today. Uh, April 25th, 775 is an anniversary of the Battle of Bagravan. This was a uh, the second of two battles uh, fought in a, an Armenian rebellion against Arab rule uh, in the uh, early, or, well, mid to late, I guess, uh, 8th century under the Abbasid Caliphate. Uh, the Abbasids uh, defeated the, the Armenians, uh, suffice to say. Th this had some long-standing repercussions in that the Arabs, after the defeat of this revolt, moved a number of Muslim Arab families, really, into the Caucasus to, uh, to establish little emirates, little uh, polities to try and strengthen their hold on that region. Uh, they took root, especially in what was known as Caucasian Albania, which more or less uh, corresponds with modern Azerbaijan. Uh, the other thing uh, to note here is that w among the Armenian noble families that rebelled, most of them were pretty much liquidated. There was one that survived, the Bagratunis, who have eventually established an, an independent kingdom in Caucasian Iberia and Lazica uh, that coalesced into Georgia. Uh, they also eventually established an independent Armenian kingdom, a different branch of the family uh, that survived for a while. The Byzantine Empire eventually swallowed it up. But uh, interesting rebellion. And, of course, Armenia is, is such a fascinating place in its history. Uh, on April 25th, 1846, a small detachment of U.S. soldiers was resoundingly defeated by a much larger Mexican contingent in what became known as the Thornton Affair after the commander of the U.S. forces, Captain Seth Thornton. This was the first military engagement of the Mexican-American War. Uh, that war ended in February 1848, of course, with Mexico's surrender, its recognition of the U.S. annexation of Texas, and the cession uh, of a uh, huge swath of territory, I mean, the modern states of California, Nevada, Utah, parts of Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, just a massive amount of territory that the United States accrued uh, from winning that conflict. Uh, also on April 25th, 1898, uh, US Congress, the U.S. Congress declared war on Spain, retroactive to the imposition of a U.S. naval blockade on Cuba on April 21st. This marks the start of the
the Spanish-American War, which, of course, ended in August with Spain's surrender, and uh, more territory coming into the U.S., Guam, the Philippines, Puerto Rico, uh, along with a renunciation of Spain's claim on Cuba, which led to a whole lot of wonderful interactions with the United States for the Cuban people uh, in the uh, decades to come. Uh, on to the news. In the Middle East, in Turkey, a new survey from the Turkish pollster Aria gives uh, challenger Kamal Kilic Darulu a slim 1.4 percentage point lead over incumbent Recep Tayyip Erdogan in a hypothetical presidential runoff. That's probably too close for comfort for either candidate, but it is in line with a trend that has seen polling between the two men tighten significantly since Kilic Darulu uh, was named as the joint opposition candidate last month, where a few weeks ago, much of the polling put Kilic Darulu in striking distance of a first-round outright victory. More recent surveys suggest that a runoff is likely, and a couple even have Erdogan winning in the first round. A polling of their runoff matchup has similarly shifted mostly in Erdogan's direction. Uh, any polling should, of course, be taken with a grain of salt, but Kilic Darulu does carry some baggage into the race. His age, his identification with an older a more less popular guard within the Republican People's Party or CHP, and the fact that he's Alevi. Uh, this is something that he's tried to directly address uh, during the campaign. I'm not sure it's going well for him, but uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, couple all those uh, things with the fact that Erdogan will use, is using, I'm sure, every lever of state and media power at his disposal to ensure that the campaign itself is lopsided in his favor, including apparently, this is a word today, he arrested, his government arrested uh, dozens of Kurdish activists. Uh, and you can see that the challenge for Kilic Darulu, uh, for the opposition in general, is is immense to try and uh, get Erdogan and his uh, Justice and Development Party out of power. Uh, in Israel-Palestine, a group of Israeli runners was fired upon near the West Bank city of settlement of Ofra on Tuesday. One of the runners was moderately wounded, according to Al Monitor. To my knowledge, there's been no claim of responsibility as yet. In Iran, the Iranian government on Tuesday blacklisted several European Union and United Kingdom officials in retaliation for sanctions those entities imposed on a number of Iranians earlier this week. Sanctions imposed by the Iranian government are almost by definition symbolic, and the symbolism can even work to the political benefit of the targets. You get some, you know, look at how I've been blacklisted by the bad guys in Iran, that sort of thing. So uh, it's not really necessarily... Uh, even uh, symbolically harmful to these people to uh, to find themselves on an Iranian sanctions list. Uh, in Asia and Azerbaijan, apparently, and I uh, have to assume this is true because how could you possibly make it up? The new Azerbaijani checkpoint uh, that we talked about over the weekend that is now blocking the Lachine corridor uh, between Armenia and Nagorno-Karabakh uh, sits right next door to a facility occupied by Russian peacekeeping forces. Uh, those Russian peacekeeping forces are, among other things, supposed to ensure that the Lachine Corridor remains open. Uh, like I said, you couldn't make it up. In fairness, the Russians were already allowing a group of Azerbaijani activists to blockade the road, so they haven't really changed policy or anything. Uh, but this checkpoint does hammer home how little interest they really have in enforcing the terms of the Karabakh ceasefire agreement that Moscow mediated back in 2020. 
In Afghanistan, the uh, U.S. intelligence community has reportedly determined that the Islamic State ringleader behind the August 2021 bombing at Kabul airport that killed over 180 people uh, amid the U.S. withdrawal from that country has himself been killed by Afghan Taliban security forces. There's no indication when this happened, but U.S. analysts were convinced of it, according to the New York Times, as of early April, so presumably it happened sometime before that. Uh, in South Korea, uh, President the South Korea's President Yoon Suk-yeol is in the U.S. this week, scheduled to make an official state visit to the White House on Wednesday. While there, uh, according to Robbie Gramer at uh, Foreign Policy, he and uh, Joe Biden are likely to make the war in Ukraine a major agenda item. Uh, I'll read you a couple of paragraphs from, from this piece. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol signaled a possible shift in his country's stance on Russia's war in Ukraine, opening the door to potentially providing direct military support to Kyiv as Seoul looks to take a larger role in global security ahead of a major summit with U.S. President Joe Biden in Washington this week. Yoon said in an interview with Reuters ahead of the meeting that South Korea would consider sending aid to Ukraine beyond only, quote, humanitarian or financial support, end quote, if Russian forces orchestrated more massacres or large-scale attacks on civilians in Ukraine, comments that reflect Seoul's efforts to take a more proactive role in U.S.-aligned global alliances as it faces down growing threats from NATO. North Korea and China. Uh, this is me again. Yoon's red line, I would say, is subjective enough to be almost meaningless, but he is uh, under pressure from the U.S., and it's noteworthy that he's articulated a red line on this point at all. He's under pressure from the U.S. to supply weapons, to supply uh, ammunition to Ukraine. South Korea has a huge military stockpile. They also have a very robust arms industry, and the West is struggling to keep up with the demand for weapons in Ukraine. So uh, no doubt there is pressure coming from Washington for South Korea to bring its uh, substantial resources to bear in supporting the Ukrainian military effort. Uh, and I think the fact that he's even opened the door to it just a, uh, slightly uh, suggests that Yoon is starting to buckle a little bit under that pressure. On to Africa and Sudan, uh, where the late, the country's latest 72-hour ceasefire, which went into effect on Tuesday, began by Tuesday evening to look like it was collapsing. Major clashes between the Sudanese military and the rapid support forces were reported in a number of spots in Khartoum, uh, also in Omdurman, as well as in West Kordofan State, which is near Darfur. The RSF claimed to have seized an oil refinery and power plant near Khartoum, uh, and the World Health Organization sounded an alarm over the seizure. It's not clear by which side of an infectious disease laboratory in the capital. So that sounds like fun. Uh, meanwhile, imprisoned former Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir may be a free man after the Khartoum prison in which he was being held was reportedly attacked by the RSF over the weekend. Sudanese military officials are claiming that Bashir was moved to another facility prior to that attack, but as far as I know, that claim has not been confirmed. Uh, a man named Ahmed, Ahmed Haroun, who was a former senior official in Bashir's administration, who had also been in, in that prison uh, and was supposedly moved to the same facility that they supposedly took Bashir to, was by his own account able to leave the prison. He had not been moved clearly, and was able to leave the prison amid the fighting. So it's possible that Bashir uh, was able to do that as well. The ceasefire, or the possibility of it anyway, has prompted more ambitious evacuation efforts on the part of foreign governments, in particular the UK government, which on Tuesday began an effort to evacuate all 4,000 or so of its citizens. 
not just diplomatic staff and families, from Sudan. Uh, The U.S. military has now moved two warships into position off of Port Sudan, which is uh, Sudan's main Red Sea port, possibly ahead of an effort to evacuate the estimated 16,000 U.S. nationals currently in Sudan, or at least those who want to leave. There may also they they may also be in place there as a sort of threat to the warring parties in Sudan to try to avoid harming any of those U.S. nationals. As for the Sudanese people, as many as are able have been getting out of the areas of heaviest fighting. Tens of thousands of them have wound up in neighboring Chad, Egypt, and South Sudan. The UN says it's anticipating hundreds of thousands of refugees should the conflict continue. Sudan is already itself home to around 1.1 million refugees, most of them from South Sudan, who may now be displaced again. Uh, In Burkina Faso, the death toll from last week's civilian massacre, uh, which we talked about over the weekend in the newsletter, uh, in a village in Burkina Faso's Nord region, has risen to over 150. Initially, it was around 60. Uh, And where initial reports blamed men who were dressed like uh, Burkina Bay soldiers or in Burkina Bay military uniform, it seems increasingly clear that it was, in fact, Burkina Bay soldiers who carried out this attack. There is no indication as to the motive, but the country's security forces are gaining something of a reputation for human rights abuses against civilians, particularly if they believe those civilians are aiding jihadist militants in some capacity. Prosecutors say they've opened an investigation into the massacre, which is something the United Nations demanded in a statement released by its Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights on Tuesday. Uh, In Ethiopia, as was reported over the weekend, the Ethiopian government and the rebel Oromo Liberation Army began peace talks in Tanzania's Zanzibar region on Tuesday. Uh, I have not seen any indication uh, of an agenda or a goal for this initial round of negotiations, so perhaps uh, the goal is simply to talk and get the ball rolling rather than uh, making any specific uh, progress or achieving any specific aim. In South Africa, uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa announced on Tuesday that his government intends to withdraw from the International Criminal Court. His office subsequently appeared to walk that statement back, saying that no final decision on South Africa's ICC membership has been made. The reason for this dust-up seemingly is the arrest warrant the ICC issued for Russian President Vladimir Putin last month. South Africa and Russia are closely aligned via the BRICS, or Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa mechanism, and Putin is scheduled to visit South Africa for a BRICS summit in August. As an ICC member, South Africa will at least technically be obliged to to arrest Putin should he actually attend. The South African government can't complete an ICC withdrawal in time for that summit, but it certainly can begin one, which would then allow it to justify leaving Putin alone. The South African government previously considered leaving the ICC in 2016 when a visit by uh, none other than Omar al-Bashir, the man we just mentioned earlier from Sudan, who was similarly wanted by the court, prompted calls for his arrest. In that case, authorities simply decided to let Bashir go, which they could easily do with Putin as well, though he might demand something more binding than, let's say, Ramaphosa's word that he won't be detained. Uh, The politics of quitting the ICC proved so daunting that South African officials eventually dropped the idea, though now uh, it does seem that they may pick it back up again. Uh, In Europe, uh, in Russia, the Swedish government on Tuesday expelled five Russian diplomatic staffers uh, on allegations of spying. 
I haven't seen any comment yet from Moscow, but standard operating procedure would be for the Russian government to retaliate by expelling five members of Sweden's diplomatic mission. On a similar note, then, the Russian government did expel a member of Moldova's diplomatic mission on Tuesday. As you have no doubt already guessed, a Russian staffer was expelled from that country last week. Uh, in Ukraine, the deputy minister of Ukraine's Kherson Oblast, Yuri Sobolevsky, told Ukrainian media on Tuesday that military forces have been, uh, quote-unquote, conducting raids on the Russian-held eastern bank of the Dnipro River. Presumably, they're doing so to pave the way for that major counteroffensive that the U Ukrainians keep saying is forthcoming. Uh, of course, uh, we mentioned uh, in, on Sunday that the Institute for the Study of War uh, has been saying uh, or claiming that Ukrainian forces have seized a pocket of territory on the eastern side of the river. But to my knowledge, there's been no comment on that claim from the Ukrainians. This is like the closest uh, I believe they've come to acknowledging it. Uh, the European Union is reportedly close to a deal that would allow five countries that uh, either border or are situated close to Ukraine, uh, those five countries being Bulgaria, Hungary, Poland, Romania, and Slovakia, to impose temporary import bans on five Ukrainian agricultural exports, maize, rapeseed, sunflower oil, sunflower seeds, and wheat. Those countries have already imposed such bans, actually, in an effort to protect their farmers from a collapse in prices due to a glut of Ukrainian products. But their unilateral bans undermine the uh, European Union's common trade policies. So the European Commission is basically proposing to ratify the bans, make them legal and, and all that stuff, uh, in return for the five countries in question agreeing to drop any restrictions on other Ukrainian imports. Uh, thing, things like honey, meat, I think uh, Poland has imposed some extra bans and, and some of these other countries may be considering it. Uh, the five products in question, uh, the, the five I listed earlier, account for roughly 90% of Ukrainian farm products entering the EU. So uh, dropping bans on any other products should not be a heavy lift uh, for these countries. Uh, in the Americas, pretend Venezuelan President Juan Guaido wound up in Miami on Tuesday after apparently being expelled from or at least encouraged to leave Colombia. It seems that Guaido showed up to a summit organized by Colombian President Gustavo Petro to encourage negotiations between the Venezuelan government and its political opposition. Guaido was not invited, but decided to enter Colombia anyway, at which point Colombian immigration officials intercepted him, uh, whether because he was crashing the summit after entering the country illegally or because they were afraid he might declare himself president of Colombia. Uh, these immigration officials wound up redirecting him, uh, apparently, to the United States. Colombian officials insist that they did not actually expel him, although I'm not really sure what other term you could use for this. Uh, Guaido says he is not seeking asylum in the U.S., and his family remains in Venezuela, so I, I assume it's unlikely uh, he would just leave them parked there. Uh, and even says that he may run for the actual Venezuelan presidency later this year, though his support, even among opponents of incumbent Nicolas Maduro, has, uh, by all accounts, collapsed. As far as the summit was concerned, I'm not sure there's very much to say. Neither the Venezuelan government nor Venezuelan opposition groups were represented. Rather, Petro brought together representatives of 19 countries in the Americas and Europe to discuss ways to advance political reconciliation in Caracas. 
Maduro has said and reiterated in a statement released on Tuesday that he's prepared to negotiate with the opposition if slash when the U.S. government releases what he says are billions of dollars in Venezuelan government funds currently frozen in a foreign bank due to U.S. sanctions. Uh, In Colombia, negotiations between Petro's government and National Liberation Army or ELN rebels that were supposed to begin in Cuba this week have now been postponed until at least May 2nd. Cuban Foreign Minister Bruno Rodriguez announced the delay on Tuesday without giving a reason for it. This will be the third round of talks between the Colombians and the ELN since November, and the aim is to agree on a durable ceasefire before then proceeding to talks about uh, a full peace deal. An ELN attack last month threatened the peace process, and Petro's government is still threatening to suspend its participation if there is more violence. Uh, and finally, in the United States, Stephen Semler at Jacobin warns that Republican austerity combined with the Biden administration's deep love of mass- massive military budgets could force major cuts to social programs in next year's federal budget. Uh, last, uh, I'll read you a couple of paragraphs here. Last week, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy unveiled the Limit Save Grow Act, the House GOP's budget plan. The bill would cap fiscal year 2024 federal spending at fiscal year 2022 levels, or about $260 billion less than the $1.73 trillion budget Joe Biden proposed last month. Here's how the fiscal year 2022 budget uh, divvied up that $1.47 trillion. You'll just have to imagine that there's a pie chart here because, of course, I can't read it to you. Uh, sadly enough. Uh, But uh, Semler goes on, the fiscal year 2024 budget won't end up looking like fiscal year 2022s, however, even though McCarthy's bill doesn't specify which part of the federal budget, parts of the federal budget would be slashed, social programs are clearly the GOP's primary target. Oklahoma Representative Tom Cole, vice chair of the Appropriations Committee and chair of the Appropriations Subcommittee on Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development, said that of the 12 spending measures that make up the annual federal budget, only Pentagon, Department of Homeland Security, and Military Construction Veterans Affairs appropriations will be spared from cuts. The chairpersons of those subcommittees, Cole said, will be, quote, popping champagne corks, end quote, while, quote, the rest of us will be crying into our beer, End quote. That also sounds great. Uh, and of course, it's not just going to be uh, the cuts are not just going to be because of we're capping the budget at 2022 levels because the Pentagon, DHS and uh, Veterans Affairs are all in line to get raises. So that leaves an even less, uh, even less of the pie for social programs, which could mean even more cuts. So that just sounds great. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, as always, we have our priorities in line here uh, in the greatest country that has ever existed anywhere on earth with the most prosperous, wonderful people who are so happy uh, to be here. Uh, on that note, uh, I do want to thank all of you for reading and or listening to the newsletter, uh, and especially those of you who are foreign exchanges subscribers, paid foreign exchanges subscribers, especially, especially since you guys keep the lights on around here. Uh, if you haven't, made the jump to paid subscriber, please consider doing it. Uh, Again, it is uh, vital to keep the newsletter going, uh, and we do appreciate your support. And there's lots of stuff that you uh, get to do as a paid subscriber that you would not get to do uh, as a non-paid subscriber. So let me just say that. I I don't want to go into detail, but uh, there there are perks. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) until next time, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.